Hey, everybody. Uh, we're going to let this show speak for itself, but there are a lot of important and big announcements about it. We're going to catch you up on what we've been doing for the last three months. Uh, we're going to talk about some sad things. We're going to talk about some hopeful things, but we're going to catch you up. So for those of you who have thought maybe we're uh, a little out of touch, we're sorry, but we're really glad to be able to provide this show for you. The season finale, we're going to be picking up a new season like next week, but this is the season finale. We're going to talk about how we've found healing through our grief with food and beverages and all sorts of other things along the way. But uh, we're th- thankful for those of you who've supported us. We're, uh, we're grateful for those of you who've helped it be possible for us to make some major life transitions, which we'll explain in a moment. Uh, just so you know, there are some expletives, and we're going to always uh, kind of reserve the right to be able to do that in the future. And there are some moments where we're going to talk about some we're going to talk about some pretty serious traumatic events. Uh, but by and large, I think you're going to be be pleased to find out uh, where we are and what we're up to. Thanks for being with us on this ride. Let's go. Wow, I can't believe it. We are finally back. We are not where we were. We are in the beautiful, we'll talk about it later, wonderful, wondrous city of Portland, Portland, Oregon. We love it. It's our new home. We'll tell you why in a little bit. But uh, we're so glad you're back, friends, and I'm here with Stacy, and we're joined also now by Sydney. Hello. Sydney, you might know her voice <laughs> from the old podcast, Protect Your, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the old Virtue podcast, in the Virtue in the Wasteland, where you introduced it, and then we also interviewed you about uh, divorce, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, that was fun. So, uh, Stacy. Describe the room that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. The lounge. We are in, so I guess it technically would, be, would have been a dining room. Our house that we are um, in is 100 years old. has a nice um, like chandelier thing hanging from it. We have um, it has some built-in wood um, like display cases beautiful. and stuff with you know beautiful old glass and things. And um, we've turned this into what we call the lounge. And um, it was all in, in really in honor of Augie and all of his um, bartending stuff. So we have a bar cart here and we have the records, play, uh, you know, that we have in here. We have our leather couches that, you know, we're in Augie and Sydney's apartment. And um, we have all of the, the alcohol and things like that that Augie would use to make his delicious uh, bartending drinks and Sydney has taken over with sort of learning to make you know all these cocktails and following um you know we're, we've gathered up as many of the recipes that we could from from Augie and um, we're kind of recreating some of that stuff so it's been a, a really neat place we they have we have some rules here <laughs> uh, part of it is is you know you, you can't ever have an, it can't have any arguments or anything in this space this in is the lounge a- you can <laughs> so uh, the way I put it in the uh, the unofficial notes so far is you have to move exactly 15 feet east from the center of the Persian rug the Persian rug given to us by the Nick Chu family Mana's dad uh, Bajad, Bajad did, yes. But you can have an issue, you can have bad vibes, but you got to move 15 feet over, which is in the living room, 
which I don't want to have happen. <laughs> this is the lounge. Sydney, thank you so much for putting this lounge together. What are some of the, your favorite things that you got up here on the liquor on the liquor shelf? Well, so one day at 3 a.m., I was just like, I'm going to build this damn bar. And so I organized it kind of how Augie would. We have all our shot glasses in one shelf. And then we also have all our coupe glasses, Collins glasses, all our glassware on the left side. And then we have three tiers of liquor. So all the saints and stuff like uh, St. Germain, um, elderflower liqueur. We got the Fernet Branca on the top. All the aesthetic looking bottles are decorated around the angel statue that we have Mardi Gras beads on. (laughs) Which is pretty fun. The, the statue fits the house very nicely yes. because it's uh, it, it's kind of like statuary from 19th century um, f- uh, graveyards, really, is what it mm-hmm. is. And it's it's it says faith, but she is uh, she's having a good old time. Also, Sydney, thank you for uh, setting this up in this way. It does not uh, induce in me the desire to sit and sip on booze <laughs> because none of it is something to drink straight up. You know, it's right. like, well, except for the absence. Making a cocktail, enjoying your alcohol and not just yes. drowning your sorrows. <laughs> that's the goal. And uh, no, I mean, and that's helpful. I yeah. mean, I've, uh, I will say before we get into the rest of the story in the last three months, so it's, you know, been about three months since Augie died, uh, drank too much, um, but I'm not sure I'm sad about it. I mean, we had... Got to grieve. <laughs> got to grieve, but also we had this problem where I've got insurance, and on this show, we've been telling people, hey, you know, if you've got this issue, if you've been in an abusive uh, relationship or in a, a cult, you know, go get some therapy. Mm-hmm. And Stacey, when, when, when are we going to get our therapy? Oh, I, I guess I have um, an appointment set for May 5th. I don't even need any Xanax by then. I'm, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> and, I'm and still right now dealing with grief, but I, I need it. I had panic attacks. And it's at the end of March right now. So I yeah. still have a couple of months before I could <laughs> even talk to somebody. And largely too, because there's also the problem of um, if you're in California, you need certain, like for our insurance or whatever they want, um, you know, you have to be in California since we knew we were going to Portland. Like... Oregon's a whole nother thing and your therapist has to be in Oregon. So it's like, you can't really get started because you know, we knew we were going to be moving and then, you know, then you have to kind of, and you can't, you can't even start the process while you're physically in California. You have to wait until you're actually in Oregon. So I got a call. I could have done it. I got a call for my telehealth, uh, meeting with a psychiatrist the day before we were going to cross from the California border into the Oregon border. Like they, it was a canceled meeting. So I could have finally got in on it, but uh, I apparently, you know, people can call in or whatever and say that we don't understand it. But as far as what our health provider said, they cannot have a psychiatrist talking to us from LA if we're in Portland and Portland, they were saying has one of the lowest per capita, um, Populations of mental health professionals. To the yeah, exactly. Oopsie Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> there and is a little bit of crazy here. They 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 do that on purpose. Keep Portland yeah. weird. We're very happy about that. But I mean, we uh, I think that's something to talk about in a future date. But it's been rough, right? In that sense, like you know, so so the self medication well, and part of it too, because you know, sometimes I was asked like, well, you know, why didn't I start sooner? Not, there is the California Oregon thing, but the other issue is is that there was so much going on, yeah. like right away that just things to get done, right? We had to move out of Augie and Sydney's apartment. We had to move out of our own place. We had you know all of just the details of handling everything that has to happen after something like this, it's just, there's just so much that we were constantly doing and that it's like, 
you didn't really have time to even like think about how you know what I mean like how am I and how am I even gonna yeah how am I gonna fit in a a talk with a psychiatrist right now what would I even say to them right now because I I don't know I would have said Xanax it's like well it's like shock and um you know kind of just shock and and movement was kind of the the only way really to get by survival mode yeah so so anyways that's where you are but the but my point about the bar is this is kind of fun cocktail stuff so Sydney might make up something on an evening and it's delightful and it's it's a beautiful moment right like we're kind of honoring Augie's memory and spirit, spirit by by being in that space and not drinking this was what Augie always said like have more parties where you're like you're going to you're going to get silly but don't just sit around drinking straight you know cheap vodka out of a, a mug right it's bad for your liver <laughs> which i've done sometimes <laughs> but and so and so that's been really nice um, now the downside is uh, where what my alternative is is some of these really nice uh, pubs in town. So we've been able to really hit some of the greatest, um, you know, venues, uh, including a place called Prost, which is down by my uh, brother and sister-in-law, who uh, who live right across from Prost. Prost is a German restaurant that has beer, cheese, soup, pretzels, and these beautiful big you know German beers and. Um, that's not going to be good for my gout if I go there too often. But I do. I am loving the beer. Anyway, kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Listen, friends, here's the deal. This is, uh, you know, our, our chance to thank you, to thank you for the support that you've given us in so many ways. We haven't been able to sufficiently thank people because right. we have been constantly moving. So Augie dies. We were, you know, like thinking about all these wonderful things. You were, you were talking to him. Your relationship was good. Mm-hmm. Everything was mm-hmm. going really well. Uh, he was in a good spirits. Yeah. Uh, this was just out of the blue. Yeah. Just a traffic accident out of the blue. I was talking to him on the phone when it happened. Yeah. He had his one earbud in. Yeah. And that's something he does, but he's hands free and he's doing his thing. But that's like, that's, that's, that's heavy, you know? It's really heavy. And, and then um, when he didn't, when I saw that he didn't get to work, then we got in the car, just... Never done this before. Never we have done this never before. looked on the yeah. phone to see that somebody didn't make it to work, and then we drove down, and then we saw the scene of the accident, and we saw his body before yeah. the ambulances got there. I don't know how that happened, and I don't like to talk about it a lot. I don't like to think about it a lot because that right. was a pretty, that was a pretty traumatic thing. A- In addition to having our son die, we we came upon it. Yeah, and um, I mean, I yeah, and the officer was like, "Well, we do need somebody to identify the body." Um, I was able to give him a kiss on the forehead. Yeah. I don't know how you did it. I mean, I eventually found that I think we all would say that viewing the body and touching the body in a way that's kind of, you know, Hebrew Bible, old timey, um, is I think really important. It's something we don't like to do. Um, but we had a really wonderful, um, I think honoring, um, burial where we went to Joshua Tree, a place that was really, really important to our family, a place where we've had some of our most um, wonderful times together. Um, and, and it was a green burial, Stacey. Yeah. Well, I want to back up for a second because we also um, did like a private family viewing. Yeah. And um, I think, you now you had mentioned that you weren't sure you even wanted yeah, to, I didn't think I could handle it at first. That. And and so you were coming along for emotional support, but maybe you weren't even going to possibly go in because I had seen yeah, the body in a different him. context. And yeah. I was I was I was grateful to see him in another context as well. One more time, yeah. more peaceful kind right. of way. Yeah, um, um, and it was 
I thought an incredibly healing time to be able to say any last unfinished business yeah. or any just, you know, to express our love, you yeah. know, um, all of the things that were important, you know, yeah, and for us to be there as a family together. Yeah. In that room. It was a powerful time and yeah. it, it was really meaningful. We were able to play some of our favorite music together. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we each had alone time as well yeah. as our together time. And I, I just, I can't say how it, nice that was. Like, I, I think that sometimes when you have the, the viewings, and I've, and I've been a part of this where you're just kind of part of a procession or something. Yeah. And that wasn't the same um, healing moment, I think, for, for me. Um, because you didn't have that, like, individual time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to have you know, more like a, like a longer little specific time, um, I think for me was, um, a really, really good last moment. Yeah. And we sang, uh, we sang, we paint the moon moon by the the stars, which is, boy, that was, that was a beautiful time. Lay down, uh, lay down your mountain Mm -hmm. by Allen Ginsberg, Mm -hmm. but also just to, just to have people going in and be in those spots. Um, it was very, very well done in the sense that because of the green burial, you're not dealing with this gaudy casket. There was, there mm-hmm. was a shroud. And so when, with that, sir, with that um, time for the burial, um, some of what we asked Augie's closest friends and a couple of the family members, um, we had just a really small, small green burial. It wasn't even a service really. Um, it was just more of like the procession with the friends, you know, mm-hmm. carrying him. And then we, again, had that time to share or, you know, um, and we actually were able to shovel some of the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, on, I put, I put the dirt on my head. We got down and, and there was yeah. there was that uh, the, the beautiful uh, natural uh, plants yeah. that were that were kind of surrounding the it. The creosote bush. Yeah. And um, I had made some hand-tied bouquets to go oh, on beautiful. the side that we also tossed into the grave at the end. And all our friends brought seashells and natural rocks to kind of decorate the space and bring some love to it. So that was really nice. Um, well, we, we, you know, would you maybe think about, did you, did you think originally that that would be something that you would value, like a burial and, and all of well, that? Well, I mean, so I mean... Augie and I would joke about it. We're like, it doesn't matter, like, doing the whole ridiculous procession. Like, why would you spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a wedding or a funeral or anything? But, I mean, it's hard not to even when you're doing it. Yeah. Simply, I had this memory of, like, when I was five, my grandma took me to this funeral for this guy named Uncle Walter, who I had only met, like, twice. But he did make me a rocking chair. Mm. And... I remember not wanting to go up and walk across the procession to look at the body. And she like forced me to go and see the body. Mm. And I just remember like how disturbing that was to me Mm. because I wasn't connected to this person at all. But like with Augie, I needed to do that because it was hard enough to accept reality. I was already in such denial of reality that if I didn't see it, I like wouldn't even be able to, you know, comprehend that. So that's all. I am a person that is, I'm I'm very sensitive to emotions 
And so I didn't think that was something that I would want to do. And, and of course, at the, by the end, I said, no, this was one of the most important things. And I think, dear listener, um, if you're in a similar situation, I highly recommend that you consider that. Consider even a burial in the sense that we were... <clears throat> Originally, I thought maybe he would have wanted cremation, but then we we realized, no, that's not what he said. He wanted to be in the earth and yeah. go back into the plants. And we had talked about that just as a concept in our lives because, you know. And so we, we would... picked up on some interesting, like, kind of Jewish traditions, too, that we found really helpful. Because, in like, in, in Judaism, there is a great deal of a tenderness towards the body, the washing of the body and uh, putting a body in the ground in a pine box that's not adorned and it has a bottom that no bottom mm -hmm. so that you can go back into the earth. And I think those things that we wouldn't have thought were important to us before really did become important. Well, and, and with Augie, we, we did the, um, a, there's like an inner shroud and then an outer shroud. So there was not even a, a box of any yeah. kind um, that was used. And it felt that that was honoring to what he wanted as well. And obviously no chemicals or anything. One of the things is difficult was that, um, even though, you know, we're kind of, uh, anarchist family here, uh, Augie and Sydney were not a married by the, uh, godless beast called Molech. <laughs> and that sounds fun and games until you realize that made it difficult for you to get your own crap out of a car. Right. I couldn't get my own personal property. I couldn't cancel any credit cards or anything. I subscribed to subscription. Sorry. So that was really hard. And then I had to make the same phone call over and over again, just to handle all the different business things. And then just to be told, Oh, you legally don't matter at all. Like who the fuck are you basically? Yeah. yeah the, the, <laughs> oh, the girlfriend, I get it. Right. And you're like, wow. I mean, we know, Sydney's uh, been in our lives as part of a close part of our family for a long time, as you know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. This is right. our new podcast. On my old podcast, there was a young, we call her Baby Guan, Sydney, uh, doing the intro. That was that was years ago. So I mean, mm -hmm. we've been we've been you know hanging uh, for quite some time, and yet that love, that kind of concept, that's not defined by church or state, these powers in the world. Um, they make it hard for you. They make it hard for you to honor that. An estranged married couple has more of an ability to handle the bills, you know. So that was a that was a, a tough piece. But fortunately, you know, fortunately we were in communication. I mean, you, you could have you could have been closed out from well, a lot of the decision making. Yeah, um, that I was really glad that you know at least we all get along and are on the same page because if you guys thought something totally different than what he wanted, I would have had no say in that, you know? And it would have been painful. We'll talk about what we did do to, to, with the memorial, um, and memorials, really. But in any case, we, um, you know, uh, I think really were able to do that right. But one of the things that also didn't happen was, uh, without all of these other things, you know, you don't have what a lot of people have. When you're Usually when you're widowed, there's life insurance. Um, you're so young, that's not there. And so, I mean, well, and you're not married, and not married so there's right? no social security, no social security. I mean, like, so these are all things, you know, I guess to consider for you as uh, spiritual anarchists out there, you know, that's maybe what you say, Hey, that's the price. That's the price of getting yourself free from the system. But, um, what also is part of, uh, my, my conception of society, our, our, our concern for uh, a better just society is this concept of mutual aid. 
and mutual aid as opposed to charity and mutual aid as opposed to kind of like trusting in the state to take care of you. Um, these are themes we'll talk about next season uh, in more depth, but uh, I want to make sure again, we thank you. Uh, many of you listeners contributed to our, uh, fu- our fund yes, thank to you. help with these costs because we got, we were able to get um, not only a, a spot for Augie in the, in the Joshua tree uh, cemetery, green the, yeah, burial, green section. burial section, but we got, we got, our whole family. Uh, the rest of us, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I never thought that that would be so fitting. But the only way that I could kind of be okay was to say someday I'll return and I'll be there with, with mm-hmm. my lad and we'll all be, you know, be there. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and infinitely, you know, the whole expanse of space. I don't mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to limit myself to a little space, but like that idea, like in the Old, old Testament, you know, bury my bones back with the ancestors. I mm-hmm. thought that was much more interesting and important than I expected. We couldn't have afforded to do that. Right. We couldn't have afforded to, uh, to get uh, Augie's body delivered out there. Um, and so there were all of these expenses. And then also we were living on campus. And so we were living on a college campus where Augie had had a very profound impact. Everybody knew him. People that I didn't know would come up to me and say things like, you know, no, like uh, he was the only person that, that would like really see me and care about me. He wasn't trying to sleep with me and knew that, you know, like just people that had really been lifted up. I mean, it was amazing. I, I mean, you know, you, you always like your kids. You, I mean, I don't know if everybody does, but I love my kids. <laughs> yeah, you know? and, I hope um, so. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I was so proud mm-hmm. of all the stories of people whose lives were changed. There's another professor that looks kind of like you if you if they didn't know you. Steve Zank. Yeah. Shout out to Steve. <laughs> yes. Love you, Steve. <laughs> Who was the recipient of some stories as well because they thought that maybe, oh, maybe this is Dr. Mounds. <laughs> yes, he had the long hair and beard like me, see, and so people would come say these stories, and then he shared some with me. And also, thank you, Steve, for the harmonium hmm. because one of the things that was really healing as we were as we were grieving was just being able to do that that drone, and I was using the harmonium to kind of to kind of calm myself down and sing some some but, uh, laments but we were living on the college campus and so one of the you know one of the things is like I mean, we have a dog um and yeah. so we'd have to you know take her for a walk she had to go to the bathroom you know daily and things and and it was really hard for us when we would be walking and and just saw some of the the faces of sadness that yeah people be laughing yeah and then <laughs> all of a sudden horrifying. we walk by and and then all of a sudden you know they're they're face changes and they get, you know, really sad and I things. Understand, and, yeah. and I get it. Um, but it was just really hard because as much courage as it took to even gather myself sometimes to yeah. get outside and take Bindi for a walk or something. Mm-hmm. And then to have that element to just constantly remind you of, um, you know, it's a triggering thing, yeah. you know, of, Absolutely. you know, your grief all over again. You and know? so many spaces, so many places where yes. on campus Augie would be riding the longboard or riding his fixie or doing something. I mean, he just was so involved in history, political thought, uh, in the graphic design and, and Quibono well, and all when he things. was in high school, we lived there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we lived on campus for quite some time. So it's a, that's a piece of it. Anyway, we were just not in a place to be able to stay there. We, we needed to get off. So I want to also thank um, the listeners for uh, being able to help us to have a little bit of funding to be able to go to some different places. We first went to Santa Ana. I'll talk about some of the stories in a second. Uh, there's Airbnb there that was helpful over Thanksgiving. Uh, our friends, the Keiths, Scott and Joy Keith, hooked us up with their cabin in 
Big Bear, which was really what we needed because we just got snowed in on purpose. And there were a couple of um, individuals that anonymously um, helped cover some of an Airbnb in uh, Seal in, Beach, in Huntington Beach yeah. area, which was so where important. we needed to be for the service and things like that. Yeah. And, and just all of the business that we had to take care of, we had to yeah. stay local. But we wanted to remain north of the freeway area where the accident happened. Yeah. It was just too hard to keep driving, you know, or to even drive past. Mm-hmm. It's funny, spot. as we come to you, it's been three months. We haven't been great. We're doing okay. Yeah. It's very much a, a smack upside the head. Well, it was I, very, it was a very I emotionally was, just yeah. disorienting kind of thing. But we're coming to you now from Portland. And, I, and as we're talking about this, we haven't really verbalized this as much lately, right? Yeah. But um, I realize how much my body is even tensing up just thinking about driving on the 405 freeway. Yeah. We're now in a place where most of the time I'm walking. Right. Ironically, also riding a motorcycle because yeah. you don't go that fast. <laughs> and every time we would be driving, it felt like after the accident, it would be accident ahead. Yeah. Like constantly. Yeah. And we would see, you know, all these car wrecks and stuff on our way. And it was just like... Driving up the freeway was was one of probably one of the moments horrifying. where it was the hardest. Where we were we were just going up the five freeway from Cal, Southern California up to Portland. Yeah. And what what how would you describe? Well, this? the uh, so the other the uh, the southbound side of five freeway uh, was closed, um, and they were diverting all traffic away. Uh, and we were on the northbound side and it's where there was no fences, just big grass in between. So you see everything. And there was a couple of big rigs that were pulled over, um, as well as a a van, um, where we saw multiple body bags. Yeah. Yeah. There was like four or five, I think it was four. I don't even remember. It was really upsetting. And then the, like family belongings that were just yeah. scattered on the, the freeway. So it was just like, yeah. I mean, friends, uh, I don't sometimes know how we're here. I don't know how we're awake. Cause it's been, it's been yeah. a really big struggle, but one of the things, uh, we, you know, when we're saying this is like all that stuff was, I don't know, uh, you know I'm sorry that we didn't get yeah. more done, but we were just incapacitated. Yeah. I was incapacitated in so many ways. I was able to continue teaching. I taught my classes, but outside of the classes, I, I just wasn't able to do other things. And even just kind of, I thought I could do it, but going up to the office, I'd have panic attacks and I just, uh, I was, it was just very difficult. Yeah. So we decided to make our move up this way. Well, and one of the things I want to mention is, is, you know, with, you know, so basically Thanksgiving was Augie's favorite holiday. Yeah. Christmas, you know, was always obviously a, an important family time. Oh, yeah. He'd make um, it so festive. He would go all out. He was really yeah. big on all the traditions and stuff. Yeah. More and, than really any of uh, the rest yeah, of us. Right. You know? uh, yeah. And then um, and then his birthday and your birthday on New Year's, New Year's Eve. Eve. So we um, had... Oh, Sydney's yeah. birthday, by the way. The week after yeah. all yeah. of this happened. The day it happened, we were going to, you know, go out to dinner to, to celebrate. And um, I was actually... After work, I got off a little bit early, so I was driving over to Puesto to get my mezcal margarita that he would make for me. And that's when I, you know, got the phone call from you. Mm-hmm. So that was so this hard. Weird was... twist in my day that was going to be such a great day, but yeah. anyways. Well, and what I want to say is that, um, you know, 
we were in various places, you know, again, grateful for everybody that helped, you know, find a a home away from home for a little while because we just needed to kind of regroup and be a family um, outside of the university setting. Yeah. And for um, those of you who grieved, you got to get back to your two jobs the next day. I mean, we recognize our privilege. It was, I don't know how we could have done it, but I don't know how most human beings deal with the blows that life gives them and the suffering and the loss and then saying, hey, get back to it or else you're going to get evicted. And so I, I feel like the world kept moving on and like all these holidays were celebrated. And then kind of like when we got out here in March, it was like, wait, it's already March. (laughs) You know, like we're already like done with basically one quarter of this year. And we're still waking up from kind of what feels like a complete blur. So Easter is going to happen soon. And I didn't like, there was no Christmas. There was no real Thanksgiving. There was no New Year's, like, (laughs) you know, any of that, like all of that, like even just, even for Valentine's, like Sid works, um, she's a, you know, a florist, a floral designer. So Valentine's was a huge holiday, you know, for her. That was very stressful. And I mean, because that's my job, we hadn't done Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day Anyways, we usually do something in March because, you know, everything's expensive and crowded. And that's like my biggest work day. So, that, you know. But Jeff pitched in and. and I was so grateful for the (laughs) delivery because I couldn't really. Did some work on the the flower shop there. Although I do feel guilty because I'm telling the college, hey guys, I just cannot come in to normal life. And all of a sudden, summer, the. The campus pastor's wife shows up to get a corsage at your work, and it's like I'm working there, and I'm like smiling, and I'm like stripping the the roses. roses. And so if if I'm summer, I'm thinking, Mountain seems to be doing fine. (laughs) I wasn't normally. What it was was I had this opportunity to work with my hands to be productive. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to think about Mm -hmm. paperwork or something. I was just – and it was kind of just healing to be able to work with your hands and do this. But um, it seems like, oh, is is Jeff – is Jeff moonlighting? He's not doing his full job. You know, he's moonlighting. <laughs> Let me set back though real fast to say, okay, so this is, that's kind of where we've been going with the grief and those things where again, thank you so much to those of you who've uh, supported us and all of your wonderful notes. Uh, we haven't been able to get back to people because we have been on the move, just absolutely exhausted, you know, up mm-hmm. until now. We're finally able to sit down in our lounge and chat and I'm, I'm loving this space. I think it's a good space to do a podcast. Um, and we'll have some really interesting guests now because we've got all these interesting people uh, nearby. But I want to go back and just talk a little bit about the narrative of uh, what the heck happened here. Because one way of thinking of it is seven months ago, I was here in Portland. Um, Stacy and I um, were living in the truck camper as we do for months on end, having a wonderful time catching crawdads. We found that we fell in love with uh, with this part of Portland where my brother lives. Um, and... Um, we had uh, his wedding with uh, Jessa, and the whole family came up. And of all the times, we've had good times in Mexico. We had a good time going up to Seattle. But of all the times as a family that we were able to be together and feel at peace with the world and feel just, to me, just Stacy's slice of heaven, yes. this joy, whatever you want to call it. And I said, I need to get back up here. I need to move here and I need to be here. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I need to, I need to stay here because I'm free. I'm not the weirdest person at, <laughs> at the pub. Mm-hmm. I'm not the, we're not the weirdest family on the street. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I mean this, I love like there, and I mean this in a way that's cool. Like I in like way, the yeah. neighbors are cooler than us, but normally like in Irvine, I'm, uh, you know, I've got a cop 
telling me and the kid, I got to get out of the jacuzzi because they think I'm smoking weed in the jacuzzi <laughs> friends. Uh, I'm not against the weed, but I'm not going to smoke in a jacuzzi. I have dignity and respect for like, you know, public jacuzzis. Um, but you know, I got the tattoos and long hair. And so, you know, got just profiled. got profile. What? <laughs> I mean, and, uh, yeah, cry me a river white guy, but like, that's what it was. And so now we're living in a place where one story, uh, one of the neighbors, we know all the neighbors right now, by the way says to us, Hey, do you guys smoke? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, now are we in trouble? Are we like, cause we were smoking on the front porch. Are we supposed to, uh, like, am I in trouble? Is he know the landlord and <laughs> we're going to get busted? No, he means like smoke weed. Yeah. He's like, I grow in my basement, you know, he wants something, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean like, wow, that's great. Like our neighbors, um, so are cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, our neighbors, a couple across the street, the Michaels, they gave us some bricks yeah. for our, um, for our garden. And told you know. us a lot of the history in the local area. I know I'm skipping around time-wise, but I'm, it kind of shows you why my spirit feels good in Portland, right? Like it is, it is so affirming of diversity. Mm-hmm. People are just kind of flowing together. It's very wonderful. But, um, uh, anyway, back to it. What I'm saying is, uh, seven, seven months ago, we were in that space and we felt it. We talked about it on this podcast. We talked about this question, is God pissing on us? Because that was the time when we said, everything's perfect. And like might've been Augie. Do you think it was Augie? But it was... Augie was the one yeah, that said at the airport. Yeah, said what? We have the text. We read yeah, it on another yeah, episode. But the, it's the idea basically that... You know, you're afraid of allowing yourself to have happiness because whenever you feel like infinite joy and bliss, shit kind of hits the fan. And Augie and I both, our whole lives kind of carried that sense within us of the stress of like, I can't be happy or I'm too happy. So we were trying to like kind of be low key in our happiness. Right. Mm -hmm. So that shit would go okay. So that that Molech wouldn't come in and say, Hey, like now we're going to take it from you, which is, which is where it is. So I said, okay, then around that same time I'm up here, we're having fun. That was the time when, uh, then the catalytic converter got stolen Passport was lost. Uh, Well, no, not there yet. Oh, yeah. uh, We'll get to the Ducati in a second. But um, so all these bad things went down right after and including there was that article about me uh, Mm. uh, believing in evolution and saying that that um, that you can think for yourself. You can you can respect the autonomy of of young people and not not beat them up with dogmatism. Uh, Anyway, so I'm getting in trouble with the churches. Because I'm uh, saying what I'm saying, I'm thinking freely or whatever. Um, and I realized I couldn't do that anymore. I realized how much, how much that world, uh, that world of me thinking what I want to think genuinely. I'm just trying to think what's true. I'm going to try to do what's right. I want to be the right kind of person. And the only thing that seems to really be standing in my way of doing what's, what I should do is church people. Mm, Loving yeah. people that I should love. Who's getting in my way? The religious people yeah. are getting in the way of me being a good person. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel like I'm a, I'm not as good of a person because I need to not look like a bad person to the religious people when in fact this is getting in the way. So I realized, nope, I'm not going to do this. So what am I going to do? I've got obligations. I've got contractual obligations to teach at Concordia. Stacy, do you promise we can come back up here? You said yes. We said, kids, we're going to do this. We're going to just dip down and get our shit from California, metaphorically. I'm in Portland. Finish, seven out, the, mo- finish out the school year. Finish out the school year. I'm going to dip down, get my shit from Portland, or get my shit from Irvine, and move it up here. I am done. 
I'm done. I decided last summer I'm done with that emotionally, spiritually abusive world of, of Christian higher education generally. I am so grateful to Concordia Irvine. They have been so kind to us in so many ways, so accommodating. For instance, right now I'm teaching out the rest of the semester distance. Mm-hmm. I'm able to use mm-hmm. my computer here and teach, and, and I really needed that. They were accommodating there. Um, so kind to me in so many ways. So many of my colleagues were financially generous. They brought mezcal. You know, like they were so so wonderful. So I have no ill will there. And interestingly, I love Concordia Irvine's uh, new leadership in many ways because they're from Portland, <laughs> right? The president's from Concordia, Portland. Mm-hmm. They, uh, uh, Megan, you know, is uh, the dean of students. It was from Concordia, Portland here. And interestingly, the other day, I was riding uh, a bike over to uh, to see the the... Bell, the film Bell or whatever it was, um, at the Kennedy School, which is a cool McMinimins um, venue, mixed service on occasion. But I'm, I'm, I'm riding by there, and what do I see as I'm riding out that way? I see Concordia University. So I get away <laughs> from Concordia University, and there it is. There's another Concordia University. Shut down, arguably. We'll talk someday about how it got shut down. Some people say Concordia was shut down because they were not affirming of LGBT people in, in the sense that they had an education wing that was built and then they realized that public schools weren't going to be able to cooperate with the school because of their stance on LGBT um, inclusion. And then some people think in the conservative world, they thought it got closed down because they were too liberal because they had the drag queen bingo. All right, there you go. Concordia, Portland, you heard it here first, was shut down for both being too progressive and too fundamentalist <laughs> at the same time. But the point being, <laughs> or that's but the point being I came to realize that even a really groovy Christian higher education is not something I'm comfortable with anymore. At least not for me. It's Augie loved his college experience. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even realize it's like fully like a Christian college in the sense that a Biola or a Concordia is. So there's one thing that's really nice about the Concordias was they didn't really police what was in your heart. They just said, you can't speak against, you can't speak against the denomination that's, that's kind of in charge. So you're free to kind of think what you want to think, but you can't really express opinions. Um, If I were to actively say, hey, I think, uh, um, you know, women should be allowed to be pastors, LGBT people should be fully included. Like you can think that, but you can't say it. And so for a long time, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's, I mean, maybe that's a compromise that feels better than, let's say, going, uh, my friend Dave, colleague Dave uh, Schultz, who was... Uh, thinking about teaching at a Assemblies of God college. And they said, can you just speak in tongues just one time? You know, like there's actually behaviors that you got to perform. And I realized that whatever the little orthodoxy is, whatever the little game is, um, that's not a world I can emotionally live in anymore. Right. You know, I've had students that have gone, become atheists. I had one student that became a Marianite monk. I had one student became Eastern Orthodox. Another student became Catholic, you know, um, I don't get to do that. <laughs> I don't get to become a Baptist and keep my job, right? I realize that I am in this world and that world because I'm a person who's supposed to talk about ideas. Mm-hmm. But if I'm restricted on the, the ideas I can talk about, that's like this kind of paradoxical vice grip that I just can't live in anymore. Right. So anyway, I realize I'm going to do this over the summer and I'm really excited to do it. I'm going to dip down and we did not get, we were not allowed to do this easy. And I would say, now I'm going to put it in spiritual terms. Friends, if you're listening to us for the first time, very often in our family, we will speak in spiritual terms. And you need to sometimes recognize that this is, we're very serious about it. 
and we're also metaphorical about it. So I call Sydney Baby Guan because um, of this idea that I think of her as the uh, incarnation of uh, Miao Shan, uh, the Chinese uh, manifestation of Avalokiteshvara, the uh, god of compassion, the kind of effeminate male deity of compassion in, in Hinduism, who then becomes the, um, the feminine manifestation as Guanyin. Guanyin is an archetype, or maybe real, but I mean, so like just, I'm just, I'm telling you, listener, like we're now going to be entering into a space where we're talking freely and, uh, uh, and we're going to maybe use language in a way that you're not expecting. But I would say in a metaphorical way or, a, you know, in some sense, what we've been up to from start to finish, what my life agenda has been, at least over the last several years, has been to oppose what I call Moloch. Molech, the god of domination, this, this monstrous deity to whom ancient Near Eastern people sacrificed their babies. And then it therefore, just as, as many people have used it, Bertrand Russell, but most famously in Howl, Allen Ginsberg, Molech being the deity to whom we sacrifice our children, we think we're doing the right thing when in fact we're, we're hurting ourselves and our families. So that's my... That's my uh, that's my agenda, is to fight Molech. And now I feel a way that maybe I can escape Molech by not being part of the economic system in Southern California, not being part of the religious academic world. Um, and I'm going to be, be free, and I'm not going to be living in a world where we sacrifice our children to the Molech in terms of sending them to church schools or sending them to religious programs where they're in danger of bigotry, sexual abuse, mental like confusion, gaslighting, I mean, all that. And so I'm saying, I'm not going to do this. And when we came upon the accident, I had this very strange, like kind of calm. It wasn't like I was feeling good, but I was calm. And I said, oh, that makes sense. And the, and the officer was like thinking, well, was, was this a suicide or something? I'm like, no, no, no. It just makes sense that I have tried to set myself free so mm -hmm. that I don't have to sacrifice my children to this bullshit And the Moloch takes your firstborn. And they're going to take my firstborn. I mean, it was like cosmic in this way, like, oh, oh. And, um, and I, I thought maybe somebody had done it because we had pit, we've been pissing some people off. We've been challenging some, some sacred cows and some people. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think so. The cops didn't care enough to really investigate. Yeah. They, they just assumed, do. oh, it must be drugs, must be suicide, whatever. Um, <sighs> Augie was driving an older vehicle. People at this time were absolute assholes on the roads. It was terrifying because everybody's well, was angry. Right before the holidays and the um, right there by the Irvine Spectrum, all the traffic starts to pick up, especially that particular People exit. People are getting ready to oh. shop there at the mall. Yeah, because they're you know getting ready to shop for the holidays. You know, so both for you know Christmas coming up, but also right, it was right before Thanksgiving. It was just what the Sunday before Thanksgiving. But I was so proud that, I mean, I'm so glad that before Augie died, I, he got to be proud of me en enough that I was able to set myself free to say, I'm going to quit. Because you already submitted your resignation letter. Yeah. So I just let the college know that for reasons of conscience. That was a couple weeks before all this. A couple weeks before Augie died, I said, I'm going to do it. And I never thought I could do it. For 20 years, I've been working in a world where it, whatever I believe is going to dictate whether I have a job or not. And I just unplugged. I just unplugged. And people were shocked. You don't, you don't just give up on an academic career. If you get off the train in academia, you don't get back on the train. 
it's it, you got it. You got to kind especially, of really, especially with what's going on with jobs right now. Right. Oh yeah. Getting a, and, and, and on top of that, once you're in a Christian college world, it is really, really hard to get out and go into the, the public, the general population. The you know? Yeah. Right. They're like, I mean, I wouldn't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> White dude from affluent orange County. And I was in that spot too. Like I didn't want to hire sometimes people from Oral Roberts university, even though like they were, they seemed cool on their CV, but I'm like anybody who would have ever worked at Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. like now I don't know what to do about that. You know? So like, I understand that if you're uh, you know, kind of progressive person, you don't, you don't want to trust me. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, but regardless, I, I didn't create a CV. I didn't create an academic career that was going to help me go into a state institution, state university or something in the same way. Point being, it's very scary. Horrifying. Still horrified right now, but happy to be free. I mean, that's health benefits. That's, you know. Yeah, that's a lot of retirement. stuff. Retirement. And so, yeah. And like, and by the way, if you're an academic, you're kind of like, you know, you don't work in the summers. You have, I, you know, rolling, in our case, rolling through your contract. I, I was guaranteed employment, but I couldn't think what I wanted to think necessarily. Right. So that's what's going on. And, and the it felt like the cosmic punishment for this was the devil, Molech, whatever, is going to punch back. And that was horrifying. That was, like, to mm-hmm. me, a very scary moment. And to be honest, that's probably why I jump faster back onto this podcast, because I'm trying to figure out What's what kind on? of cosmic battle is, is going on. Yeah. And uh, I guess all I can say to you, dear friends, is keep listening to the show, because um, we've got zero fucks to give left when it comes to it's gonna get fun yeah it's gonna be fun but it's like not in a bad way i mean we don't have an axe to grind but it's just like no like um you you've the worst thing that i could possibly have imagined at the time other than having more of my family members die but like i had an incredibly close relationship with augie i loved him i love him still so much but not just that, he helped me intellectually, spiritually. He was the guy who, who helped me to say, you know what to do when it came to, to being able to, to quit my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's happened in the yeah. past, right? He and helped. he did the same thing for me. And then people we barely even knew were also saying that about him, which is crazy. So. And, 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 and you, Stacy, were like really reconnecting, yeah. you know, and our youngest was like, you know, like they were so close. Well, and like I said, I was on the phone with them. We were having a great yeah. conversation, just planning for the week and, and yeah. Sid's birthday. And like, we were going to go to Costco the next day. He was even talking about how excited he was to go Costco shopping yeah. with yeah. you. Yeah. It's like though, for what it really was, our life journey was like, I was basically handing over to him. He was the silverback gorilla. <laughs> he's, he's going to, and like, he's handling the drink orders. He's handling where we're going to go out to eat for, you know, the dinner, whatever. And all of that said, we have now in the last three months had to learn each of the four of us remaining uh, how to be ourselves without him. Cause he was kind of like this little Jesus figure. He was the center. He was sort of the kind of the glue that, you know, but also just, yeah, but also, yeah. But, and he had a way, a presence about him that was never, he didn't demand attention, but he got, you know what I mean? He was kind of the center um, yeah. in a lot of ways. And so now it's like we've, we lost our focal point. Um, so yeah. like, you know, what, you know, what is it like, I don't know, even just um, with our, our youngest was like, well, you know, what do I say when I meet people and they ask about my family? And I'm like, well, you say you have a sister. You know, yeah. Sid, you know, yeah. like you don't have to go into all the other Your triggering pieces, story, if yeah. you know what I mean, if you don't, yeah. if you don't want, but like just trying to figure out like what, you know, what is that? You know, who, 
you know, and then like just each of us for ourselves, like, you know, what does it mean? Anyway, um, it was, it is sort of like this whole thing of how do we become sort of these individual people, yeah. um, kind of losing our center, um, you know, and, yeah. and I think it will make us ultimately better, um, yeah. in, in a sense of like, it was easy to rely on him, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. And it would be easy for us to not, um, you know, sort of even develop ourselves even further. Yeah. Like I know with you, you were already saying that you, like, you were like, okay, I'm passing the torch off to Augie. And now it's like, I've got to be a poet and an artist and and live. Yeah. And I I was going to let everybody else do it. And I was just going to like slowly fade into like the, the, the mulch. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And just kind of like, yeah, almost like a retirement of sorts. And now I'm like kind of. Now we've got a, a house that we're renting and I'm like doing that thing again. Like, right. you know, I was kind of downsizing to yeah. live on the nomadic, uh, uh, on the road life. Um, anyway, so we were, like I said, we were going to dip down into Southern California and come back. We didn't. We had to go through the gauntlet. But I'm telling you, friends, what this podcast is going to be, it's going to be healing for us. I'm going to commit to just kind of cranking out content. We're going to really... Um, we're going to make this something that's an important journey. Watch us. See if, like I was thinking, we're kind of like uh, astronauts shooting up into the space. And you see if we come back okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we go run in with our tail between our legs back to uh, fundamentalist Christianity or something. And, and you oh, can no. watch that. No, I know we're not going to do that. But I'm saying, like, watch. Even if you don't agree with us, I think it will be interesting to you, the listener, to see like, what's the process of us trying to understand mental, spiritual, emotional emancipation, shedding some of these shackles in our lives. It's not easy. It's terrifying. And I was at the, I was at the local market. I love these little stores that we, you know, groceries that we can go to, but I was just kind of looking like a, like a refugee that had never been to a Walmart. And I was not like the handmaid's tale. Cause you're like, yes. (laughs) And this guy just was very nice. Everyone's very nice to us here. I'm just very shocked (laughs) about it. People talk to us like human beings. Yeah. Like when I was in SoCal, sometimes people want to beat me up for wearing my uh, Oaxaca pants. Mm-hmm. Here, like, don't even notice. No yeah. one even notices us when we're walking around weird. But these, this one guy did notice that I was kind of looking like I was in a daze. I wasn't high. I wasn't sleep deprived. Yeah. I was just didn't know where I was. Like this was this beautiful space of this market. And he said, well, what do you want? I said, well, <laughs> what, what, what do I want? Me? What, like, what sorry, cheese do I want? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> my, my feelings, yeah. <laughs> my needs right now. You know, it was very strange. So I want to take a pause here, and um, I want to I want to play the song that I really appreciated from the Czars, uh, "Paint the Moon." And uh, when when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit with uh, the ladies here about. The way food, because that's the season here. We're, this is our season finale, and we're going to get right back on it next week. But this, just to kind of end the cycle on food, we're going to talk about the spirituality of food as it related to our healing and grieving process. Uh, but before we do, Stacey, would you, would you kind of share something I thought was probably the most helpful during this process was your mental exercise. You know, it, mm. you're a death doula. The problem is you're not a person who's trained to deal with after the fact grief. You're the person who helps individuals prepare themselves for for their mortality. But so there were some helpful things. What what was it that you did? Well, one of the things that um, I knew was kind of important was there's so much that it was really easy to just dwell on 
you know, the sadness of what we won't have or, yeah. you know, the, the lack of a future with Augie, um, mm-hmm. or just looking at, um, you know, just like almost like up with sadness, like looking upon the past and the past memories. And so I, it made me, I just, you know, kind of stopped and thought like all of these times when we've been together and had like magical moments, I did like a little 30 second, you know, uh, like just taking everything in and I called, I would call those moments, my little slices of heaven. It's like, it's, it's beyond happiness. It's like where joy is. It's the film reel of those right. joyful moments. And you know? so there were multiple times where we had hung out as a family and I had done that. And that made me think, you know, as we were, you know, thinking about Augie and, and who he is in our lives. Um, I wanted to just kind of reflect on all of those amazing moments, you know, that, um, and, you know, that we had had and things that to be grateful for. Uh, cause I mean, as hard as what it is to not have him with us, I couldn't imagine a world of not having had, having that. had yeah. him in it. So it was, you know, so it's a beautiful time of just, um, you know, pausing and taking a reflection of, you know, all of the, the, the things to be grateful for and all of the, the, loving and wonderful things that he was. The amount of things that we were able to, to get in, in a couple decades. I mean, we just going back over the photographs, all of, I mean, the fact, you know, even that we knew Sydney so much younger than most people. I mean, they, you guys were dating in like 16, 17. Yeah. Back in 2015, I moved in with you guys my senior year (laughs) of high school. We've lived, we've lived quite a life. I mean, with that, and and it's not enough. And Augie's, but it's a great blessing. 23 and we, Felt like so much more. We got, yeah, he did. Like, I mean, I know that, I mean, he was so wise, wise beyond his years. I know a lot of people say that and that can kind of sound trite, but he really was. Like, oh yeah. He set us all straight sometimes, yeah. his professors. Um, but just like all of what he was able to do and experience in his short time here, yeah. um, you know, it was amazing to think like that that was, uh, we were grateful that. And as we dwelled yeah. upon those things, that was incredibly <laughs> healing and it helped to also remember the eternity i mean this is one of the things about the Tao. like these ripples these things even augie was saying in one of the one of his essays you know i'm not even sure that descartes was right cogito ergo sum i think therefore i am maybe we just think we think but what we are is this kind of ripple on the sea a a pattern yeah and that that pattern continues and well and i do think that like those those that 30 seconds it it feels like it is timeless it's outside of time It, it has an eternal nature to it and that was one of the things that, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that anytime, like, you know, at one point I'm like, Augie, are you okay? You know, that kind of thing. And then I just had this, like, like this overwhelming feeling of like, like good and happiness run through my body Yeah. yeah. at a time when I was in the thickest of some of my grief. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. I got, I, I can't explain that cause it was a wave, like it came through yeah. and then it, it went away, but I was like, okay, that's a sign to yeah. me. You I know, felt that I feel, that too. That's, you know, part of the only reason why I'm okay is I get these cosmic signs from him, from the universe all the time. You know, like, uh, anytime we go to a restaurant, the music, sometimes I feel like he'll just start DJing it. He'll like <laughs> take it over. And I'm like, they don't play these songs at these places. It's amazing yeah. how many of the songs that have been on, that was on the playlist that he created for you that are just yeah. what is playing when we're at a place. It's it's, funny it's uncanny coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, but so, the, yeah. so there's a lot of these things where it's like um, the what I what I at least um, take 
like some peace with or whatever is that there are these 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 ripples that he has created yeah. with, you know through his time here um and and that we can still uh we still feel that and we can still um like enjoy him <laughs> yeah. you know yeah yeah well, like we do, we, we've not only have the bar here, but we've got his little like notebooks. Yeah, and stuff sometimes on. I have full conversations with him just throughout the day yeah. through well, a bird or something. <laughs> well, and one of the things that you were mentioning, too, is yeah. we were like one of the days um, when we were staying at one of the Airbnbs right after the service or whatever, uh, you were walking on the beach and you're like, I'm not sure like. You know, it's like you feel guilty almost sometimes. guilty for the joy. Enjoying being, joy. Being happy or being able to touch your foot in the ocean water um, or or really, like, relish that, like, Bendy's enjoying, like, running, yeah. you know. Bendy in the snow. <laughs> yeah. And then we realized, well, wait a minute. Like, that would, like, us, like, not experiencing these things would be, like, the worst thing for Augie to think of us, like, not enjoying what would be so special, right? Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of what I'm thinking, friends. Like, it, it maybe you don't know us well enough to have those moments, or if you know, if you knew Augie, you you could be thinking of those things during the break. But in your own life, that's a powerful, helpful tool is to just go reflect on those things. You know, your brain starts to bounce around all the catastrophes in your head and the regrets. Uh, sometimes just kind of reorienting your brain. Here's a nice hippie thing I've done, friends. I got I got this uh, lotus bead mala bead uh, necklace. And it is uh, something that I've always kind of wanted, but I didn't really know what kind of mantra I wanted. Um, you know, uh, the, the Eastern Orthodox would use something like, um, Jesus, have mercy upon me, uh, a sinner. And uh, that's good. I mean, it's just not, that's, it just wasn't helpful for me. So I, I'm not going to do the Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to do the, the rosary like that. shame inducing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like, and that's cool if you do that. But like, I'm just like, what was right for me? I'm not going to do Omane Padme Hum. I like that with the Guanyin. But like, I, these aren't right for me. And what, what I've come to was this. And so I start with my bead and, and I just, and I let my brain and heart love. I say, I love Augie. And then I go through my family, you know, and then I even include the cats. Mm-hmm. And I love Diva Puff mm-hmm. and I love Bindi. And then after, so I go through family and then I say, I love all sentient beings. And then I take a deep breath. And then the part that I added that I really love is embarrassing, but then I say, I love myself. Because I've been pretty cruel to myself over the last three months. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just just not kind mm-hmm. <laughs> to maybe my physical body yeah. uh, with my health and stuff. We've done mm-hmm. some good, good things. But anyway, um, whatever it is, friends, uh, you know, think about those things. We'll be right back. Stars 
in an autumn sky Paint me cool blue waters with shades of gray Just don't let me live my life this way That's the czars that is Paint the Moon, other great songs. We've been going in Portland here to a lot of the, the used vinyl places. That's one of the main things that's in here in the lounge. Uh, by the way, in the lounge um, is a lamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. So it's from the movie <laughs> A Christmas Story. We just, it delighted our hearts and, you know, we've had it's a lot of sadness. Lamp. So, like, we're going to get the famous leg lamp. And then we put on there. Augie's bow tie from prom. Serves as kind of a sexy garter. (laughs) uh, choker that uh, (laughs) Jeff and Stacey got me from France, I believe, (laughs) that the little pendant fell off, but I would just wear it still as a choker. So we put those two on the leg lamp. (laughs) And we also have some of Augie's art up here. Um, One in particular with an owl and some kind of Dalek spirals. By the way, it's body, body, Body Fusion Works. Or Fusion Works body, they're a, yes. a massage place. By the way, friends, get yourself they a good are so massage. Good. They'll fix your whole life. Fusion Body Works is that what it's called? PDX? Yeah, Fusion PDX. If you're driving, you ask us about it. But Fusion is what it's at. I mean, that's not like you're any old uh, back rub. That is a therapeutic uh, healing thing. But on the way out, did you see there was an owl picture as well? I mean, owls yeah. everywhere. Yeah, around I here. saw that. Of course, there's a lot of owls in Portland now. We actually saw a disco ball in the room. <laughs> we saw a real live owl. Uh, we were on yes. a, a walk. Um, Follow us on Instagram, friends, at the Dow, at Dow Surfers, T-A-O Surfers. And so we saw that these crows were making a whole lot of noise and then discovered that they were trying to chase away two owls uh, from a certain area. And so we could see where they're all gathering 
you know, there's a storm. <laughs> yeah. There's a murder of crows, a, a storm. Of crows, and they're making so much noise. And then the owl would make a noise and they, the crows would all go silent. And then I think because the owl was communicating to the other owl, so right. they were just trying to figure out where's, you know, where are each of them. And um, and so we know we're close and we're like, you know, trying to look. And then all of a sudden I just like look up and like just staring at me is this owl. And I'm like, oh, everybody, it's right here. It was just amazing because it was so hard to see, first yeah. of all, even though it was right in front of us. And I looked into it its spun eyes. spun its head around. Yeah. S- Sydney, you saw it looking at I felt it. like yeah. I had a conversation it with it. very weird. Like <laughs> it I've never weird. just like kind of looked into the eyes. I mean, I've been yeah. looking into the eyes of a lot of animals lately. It's very strange. Very Francis of Assisi, very Dr. Doolittle. I don't know, but here's the deal. <laughs> Friends. Remember Dr. Doolittle, Stacy? <laughs> yeah. Dr. Animals. Now listen. Yeah. <clears throat> we won't we won't cover all of the wonderful things, but I want to just narrate. Okay, we told you the story of our ca- catastrophic situation and all the stuff that was going on there. I want to say, friends, just again, <clears throat> thank you for your support. We are going to pause our Patreon uh, intake for the next few months. Because uh, we we obviously, we feel bad. We we weren't really producing content over the last three months. We've been doing stuff. We've been working with young people. But yeah, we have been producing content. But in the the months to come, in the weeks to come, listening to the show, some of you are going to not want to sponsor us anymore. (laughs) Hmm. I love you so much. I am so sorry. I might be, I might you know, five years from now, say, oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, I guess I... Was, that was a phase. Yeah, it was a phase. <laughs> but this is the phase we're going to let ourselves be. We're so. going to be our true selves. And it's no... Like, it doesn't bother us if you just click unsubscribe. But um, we thank you to those of you who have been patrons. Um, if you are not a patron uh, and you want to to do this, go to protectyournoggin.com org mm-hmm. and uh, you can kind of click through some ways to to become a regular supporter it will help us it's something we need more now than ever i don't actually have a job in a couple months you know uh if you also so are if there are uh, portland <laughs> or online job opportunities yes. you want to float our way <laughs> yes i am not leaving this this wonderful wonderful city um and it, it and we are just a couple uh blocks down from the uh, the famous red house where there was some kind of uh, anarchist uh, activity and so forth we love it we're like every time something weird happens i just say hey hey everybody you know we could be in uh rancho santa margarita now if you're in rancho santa margarita margarita and you love it God bless you. I need a little more picante. I need a little more spice, you know? So I don't mind a, a little bit of, uh, you know, people, you know, shouting at two in the morning outside, walking down the street. I like it. Uh, you know, within reason. Now, <laughs> within reason. But that said, uh, if with, within Portland or online stuff, uh, you know, hey, I'm really interested. And also, <laughs> I don't know what religious bodies or whatever will, like, tolerate you inviting us out. But we're back in the game now, especially now that COVID's done. We were, I was speaking around the country, and then when COVID happened, we just kind of shut all that stuff down. But we're open to, uh, to speaking opportunities. Um, you can also uh, uh, support us by uh, contracting with Sydney, who does floral arrangements, and uh, Stacy, who does the death doula work. So that's been still something you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really would be interesting if you are interested in having like a, uh, like a bachelorette party where you don't want to get super drunk or something, or maybe you want to do the thing with Stacy first and then go get super drunk, <laughs> but she can lead uh, a really nice outdoor indoor kind of yoga session. 
uh, just to kind of the really yin, yoga, yin so. yoga. Yeah, I mean, you could do other kinds, but the yin right. yoga where you have the music, you just it's that's just where my really, passion yeah. is. And it's kind of like, and or for like healing or retreat. So if you got a retreat, you got a women's retreat. Hey guys, you can you cannot gender it, but you know if you want to do women's retreat, Stacy, cool, she'll hang out with the ladies, and um, but she will do uh, a, a full like kind of set of sessions for you, work through grief, work through uh, fear of death, work through whatever, work through stress, through these processes that are not just about moving your body, but also kind of getting centered. So that's something that happens, and of course. Um, you know, so for all that, we'll talk to you about other ways to, to support us there. We're also going to have a, a, a website up. It's not up yet. It's just basic, but it's Frogstein. That's going to be honoring to Augie's written and graphic work. So Frogstein.com. Frogstein.com. And I think with that, we'll, we'll eventually... R-A-U-G. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> S-T-E-I-N. Yeah. And uh, we'll have stickers there and some t-shirts of his work and stuff. And that's a way you can support us. But we will need your support. All right, that's enough of that. Friends, now let's talk about food. This season, this ab- absurdly disjointed season was about the spirituality of food and food cults. And to bring it full circle, we didn't get to cover everything. Like I wanted to, to talk more about the Yellow Deli cult. Uh, the Yellow Deli is run by this right-wing kind of conservative, patriarchal, authoritarian Christian cult that beats their kids because the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Um, and so they do, they beat their kids. And so it's a horrid thing. So, Hey, if you go to a yellow deli, don't, right. <laughs> you should go, go Google it on your own. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to end this, this season. Is it season four, Stacey? We're going to end this season. Sure. I think it is. Is it We're 2022? Gonna... <laughs> I know some days I don't remember. Is it Wednesday? Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the year is like totally throwing me off because in my mind, yeah. like nothing really. Ha- I'm in 2021 still. Right. <laughs> I want to talk about how food played a role in this. All right. So let's let's go through the first steps. First steps are. You know, we're gearing up for Thanksgiving. All right, that's that's fair enough. The food was always fun. The food was everything, you know, for our family, especially, mm-hmm. you know, that was just a really nice thing. But we then went to an Airbnb in Santa Ana, which was nearby to where Augie's bar was. Now, Augie had the opportunity right towards the end there to basically be the artist at a, a, a cool little bar called Mix Mix. He was the sole bartender and he would also take a lot of tables um, but he was really excited about the opportunity because it was the first kind of real mixology type bar where he could be creative and he would make his own ginger syrups and infusions of tequila. It's high and, end. Yeah. and you know, like when you're, and, it, and this made me a little sad here, uh, but I just, if, if you, if you ever saw your kid make a three point shot or, or, uh, or hit a home run in sports or perform on the piano at a recital and just really knock it out of the park. I don't think of all of those moments, there have been as many amazingly proud moments as when I saw him smiling and shaking that we'll shaker it, with we'll, his little black shirt. We'll put a picture. We'll put a picture. I don't know the picture. Um, no, I'm not going to put a picture because um, the picture doesn't do it justice. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes. Okay. I think we should. Uh, maybe I'll put a picture. I'll we put should picture. put the one of the black and white um, stills from Puesto. I'm saying it, mix, mix, maybe mix, mix. Sometimes I didn't get a good enough shot, but the point remains. In this scene, I'm seeing him as an artist. Yeah. And when he made the drinks, I said, oh, these really are the best cocktails I've ever had. Yeah. He was really, really good. I mean, the guy who hired him said this is the best Negroni. Or- yeah, so he went in for his interview, and then he didn't expect to be making drinks that day. The guy said, all right, get behind the bar. Um, 
make me something smoky, something classic. And I forgot what the other one was, but he starts with the Negroni. And then the guy goes, that's the best damn Negroni I've ever had. Yeah. That's like, and he got the job. job. And so it was really great. And we, and we, I'm really glad that that would have been something so hard to not have done, but mm. we, three of us went and we saw him in his element and yeah. it was amazing. And, and the great. chef was amazing there. Like yeah. the food, everything was delicious. I don't know who's bartending these days, but I can tell you this, the food is great. So go check out Mix Mix. Anyway, and he was also working though with his family at Puesto. Okay. So Puesto is kind of a high-end street taco vibe. And uh, people are like, why am I paying this much money for a taco? They're feeling, go try them. They're really good. And, and especially trying <laughs> because they were really... Mexican street food <laughs> is, that is they call their it? Um, moniker. Or and then you had, been doing, you had been doing a little of that at a different location. Yes. Yeah, so um, because Augie was really good friends with the GM um, that worked at his location, I was able to get just a side hosting job on the side of my flower shop job just to kind of make some extra money. But the whole atmosphere... Um, there is really great. They call it familia. So if you, anyone who works at Puesto, they all love each other. They would do Super Bowl parties every year where they would have a different theme. Sometimes they would make it at like an arcade bar or something. But all of those people were incredibly um, there for us during that time. So we really appreciate all of them. And um, there was a lot of people at you know, the Puesto service and whatnot, and some of which that I didn't even know, but they all would come up to me and, and hug me and tell me a positive story about Augie, which is something that, you know, a lot of friends and family couldn't even do. So that was meaningful. So we then, right after, so right after Augie died, we were in this place in uh, Santa Ana, but we couldn't really, we couldn't really see people. I mean, and if you're listening to your family, sorry, like if we were kind of closed off, we just needed to kind of like a little clam. Shake just in get, the corner. Yeah, just say yeah. like, we just, and th- that was, we didn't have a lot of energy for anything else. We didn't really get out until we had the opportunity to, to hang out with some people that I, I want to thank also so very much. Uh, that is uh, Gustavo Ariano, um, who is famous for working with OC Weekly, he did a he, he did a uh, a piece uh, a running column called Ask a Mexican. Um, we've had him on a podcast or two. I mean, but he's come to the college and spoke. Just a wonderful guy. But more importantly, for Augie, you know, there's like Anthony Bourdain as kind of the global food writer and understanding what's going on in the Orange County scene. You know, um, one of his heroes was Gustavo. And uh, it was nice too because Gustavo, I asked him one time, you know, um, in a public setting, was is it is it uh, immoral for me to have like gentrified mezcal or uh, to eat like a twenty dollar street taco, <laughs> you know, or whatever uh, plate? And uh, no, he really loved Puesto because of well, the way they treat the employees. Well, it's not gentrified mezcal. <clears throat> they work with um, me- families of mescaleros, so they actually. Um, did a tasting, a paid tasting for all the employees. So one day I got to go to that and it was this grandfather and his granddaughter. And he says, Mescaleros will tell you if you say, how long have you been making Mezcal? Just their age. So he'll be like my whole life. It's their whole spirit. And he said, before we even tasted it, first you have to put yourself in the mind space to receive the Mezcal and open your heart and open your spirit. 
and then that's how we started the tasting. Yeah, so it's like a totally it's, different it's, thing. I just want to we'll be clear that Jaeger it's not shots, gentrified bro. mezcal. Yeah. They really get it from um, real families. And and what and then what um, and then what Gustavo would say even further is they they get the right tortillas. Um, from the right They're tortillas. authentic. And they hand make them in-house. But this is the thing that he really blew my mind on because I was thinking more in like a different uh, you know, aspect of it. He said, no, um, the thing about Puesto is think of it this way. A 99-cent taco tastes like pain. That's true. It's not just the pain of whatever kind of low-grade, unethical uh, livestock that they executed for the food. Mm-hmm. It's... Not just that, it's also the person who is working for jobs for less than minimum wage as a, as a, as a worker in the meatpacking industry or whatever, or, or making those tacos. In other words, it, it is the right expense to eat locally, to spend some money at local restaurants, because what are you supporting? You're not supporting a big corporation. You're not supporting even Taco Bell. You're supporting Real somebody people. who's got a dream and a, making an art. And yeah, they're making money too, but real people, real says, families that like can <laughs> like like it's not just a big corporation swallowing up yep. all of the you know exactly. all of the the money. And but. so yeah, like so so uh, Gustavo said that's not an expensive taco. The expensive taco is the one that's the human toll. You know, your ninety nine cent. I mean, not obviously if you go to a nice place that hasn't like we 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 go to uh, the Rambler and they have nice two dollar uh, Taco Tuesdays. I'm talking about the idea of mass produced crap food right. yes. not being ethical. You're not actually saving in the in long run because of society. Point being, and he also said he <laughs> Gustavo said I want my meat to have like so like for whatever I'm eating, I want yeah. that animal to have just had. A great life, but one really bad day. Yeah, only one bad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only yeah, one yeah. Bad day. And that, I mean, look, and I get that. We're 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 vegetarian, um, but I, I I appreciate that. I think that's right. It's just hard to know. Yeah, I kind of don't even want to eat fish anymore because yeah. of just all the you know death and sadness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. So, and we've been. I mean, it's been really nice health wise again to get back to Portland and. We're getting our uh, our vegetarian options, like four vegan places in walking distance. But to go back to San uh, to go back to uh, Santana, we um, we didn't know where to go, and it turned out that I'm like, I wonder, I want to talk to Gustavo. Well, one of the things we want to do is figure out a venue for the memorial, because I have to say one of the things that was going on about our lives was that that the kids. I didn't realize until more recently, the kids were kind of traumatized by the religious world and the way it kind of affected us as a family. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't going to do a memorial in a church. And that's pretty weird for being a dude who's been so connected mm-hmm. to church-related institutions. And so we could have used multiple church venues that yeah. would have housed oh, sure. the number of people that we were, oh, yeah. we were looking But we at. needed to do something else. And, and so, Augie would not have wanted that. No, no. We had, we had, we had, no. We, got, we were going on strike So we were that. trying to figure out. We couldn't be disrespectful where, to him. Where can we find a venue that can house, you know, several hundred people? Yeah. Um, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ask Gustavo because he knows the scene down here. Um and you guys are, I mean, I don't know who was asking, but it's like, you can't just go walk over to his wife's restaurant and expect him to be there. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know. I'm just going to see. At least I'll check, I'll talk, check in with Delilah. I feel like they hang out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know if Delilah doesn't know who She's I am, so you sweet. know, but I could introduce myself and, and uh, you know, so, and we had been there before and, and some other contexts. It was really great. It's a great place. It's called Alta Baja. Ooh, talk and about the avocado toast. I know. Like... Well, first of all, tell me now, what do you think about it? Well, Alta Baja. So, so just make sure. So yeah. there, so Gustavo, author of talk 
Morocco, USA. His wife, Delilah, has this amazing grocery. It's kind of like a little store that has like the stuff you could buy and take away, but also has micheladas and food and stuff. And you, yeah. you were saying. Um, so, you know, we hadn't been eating very much cause we were no. just so sad. It was, you know, hard to physically swallow. And so one of the things that we would typically never order, but especially not get four of them, <laughs> you know, was the avocado toast. But it was also like the only thing that sounded good at the time that was kind of just nutritious, but not going to make us feel crappy. Yeah. And it was so just beautifully presented. She had like, I think some microgreens and like yeah. drizzles and it was really cool. But it was I like healing medicine. It. it was simple, but I appreciated it so much. And yeah, then they gave delicious. us a little kind of corner of the space where we had these micheladas. And so like the first time we ever were able to get out, we had these micheladas yeah, that were just the best micheladas. And, uh, and then they had like the cool little candles, you know, and it was like, it was like a place for us to grieve with food. And so it kind of, and they were very helpful. And then in ta- and talking through that again, like, you know, these, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's like, I'm a big fan myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> these, these, these are like kind of little celebrities to me, you know, and, um, the, the combination of these things is really interesting. Um, so on the one hand, we're looking, we're looking for a venue, right? We'll get back to where we did this. But uh, Delilah is going to figure out if we can get the promenade blocked off because she knows, like, the folks in the city. I mean, this is pretty great. We would have gone for that, but there was this windstorm that was so ungodly. It looked like the trees were going to blow out of the ground. So we're like, maybe (laughs) this wouldn't work. Yeah, a dust, you know. Oh, yeah. So we we realized we were going to do that. But in the the meantime, what we didn't realize is – um, one of the one of the memorials we had on on the college campus for his you know professor and students and well, and, and we realized that we pro- we needed to pretty much break it up to two services because yeah. of the um, the connections that we had with the we college. Had a pri- well, actually, three. We had a private burial, very 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 Small, tight circle. Intimate. We then had the the uh, mostly the kind of the campus community, and we did this in the the uh, heritage garden, which is really nice because it's on campus, but it's kind of in this. Mm-hmm. anarchist free zone of the campus, you know? Um, and it was an important place for us when we did, you know, different things like the Quibono talks. Um, and that was really nice. But as we get there, it just kind of, it was so delighting to see that, that, uh, uh, Gustavo and Delilah were, uh, were serving pozole. It was mm-hmm. so good. It was, I mean, we still have some frozen in the freezer. going to break it out. We should eat it tonight. But it was, yeah, maybe we will. And it was. Vegetarian. Was, it was veg, yet yeah, for us. Yeah, for us. vegan for us. Um, but also they had other, they had the pork, pork based. And uh, it was so good. And they fed all like the students. And that was so honoring. And it was so like, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I knew that they were kind to us in our grief. I didn't know they were going to be there. And that, and that was really powerful. So that was the first thing, the healing of the soup. And I forget who's, what was the exact line, but like this soup was to warm the soul. Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah. They weren't, no, they weren't sure what to serve. They could have had tacos or something else, but no, it was like the pozole. That was, that was really good. And it was so good. And I, I just felt so honored. I it just, was very yeah. comforting. Yeah. And thanks to my colleagues for helping to kind of coordinate that and, and for people for putting on this stuff. But, and also thanks to my colleagues for kind of protecting us, my close colleagues on the campus to know that we didn't want to have something in the chapel. Right. So we um, used the garden space, which was really lovely. You yeah. know, it was a peaceful. They planted a tree in. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really cool. So that was one way that f- food was healing. But then, of course, let's get then to where we actually had our memorial. Our small C church service was at Puesto. 
in your Huntington Beach in your spot, mm-hmm. and they brought this would be a ten thousand dollar thing if um, we were for, using it. Yeah, that size, it would probably even be more than that, actually. Especially um, when you and the food. they were so nice. They did all the catering for free. They said, you know, this is your space, whatever you need. It, it felt like a family home. Um, you know, they basically treated it as if it was our house for the day. And they were like, yeah, take whatever spaces you want. Of course you can do that. You know, the bartender would always be like, do you guys need more drinks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really nice. And uh, and, uh, and they and they they opened up any location that we would want. They said, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know. Pick, pick what location if you wanted, yeah. pick what food you want. You know, we were, it was very, it was just very honoring. Yeah. Um, and because it was still COVID, we wanted, we picked the one that had the largest patio. Yeah, so right. it was a so semi outside. So we can, yeah, not, you know, I mean, the last that thing was we wanted issue. was a <laughs> super spreading event, right? Yeah. And so that was like the last thing that we wanted. Um, and, and so, and fortunately, like, and uh, we didn't have a super, a COVID super spread event. No, no. I mean, surprisingly. Because <laughs> yeah. right after that, a lot of like, uh, there was the Omicron. Uh, uh, yeah. The yeah. outbreak happened, you know, a, a, few, a few weeks later or something. But so, yeah. But we, we're so grateful to Puesto. And like, you might say, is it weird? And we didn't expect this originally. We actually had a, the lectern that had Puesto on it. So it's kind of funny if you, if you come in and we're viewing the memorial service through YouTube um, at the Dow Surfers channel, actually, you're thinking, well, instead of a cross with like all the sacred <laughs> things you would expect to see, you've got like a corporate logo in a way that like made me happy because at least for this moment, Puesto was coming alongside of us with mutual aid and just decency. They treated us like family. Yeah, it was and, really amazing. Um, yeah, everybody that had worked with Augie that even I didn't know was like, anytime you want to just hear some stories about him or whatever, yeah. totally call me. I don't care if it's like six months from now. And I thought that was so cool. Now, I had a former student named Casey. You've, had, you've heard Casey on the show. Casey is gay. Casey is a pastor. A lot of the people that might have come to the event would say, you can't be gay and a pastor. You certainly can't be a gay married man and, and, and be a pastor. And so in one sense, um, like that alone, was that was kind of a big it was kind of a big thing for us to be able to say, I know that there's all of my, these colleagues and friends that I have that are pastors, but to honor Augie, this is the one that was going to, this is the pastor that was going to do their wedding. That's right? the one they wanted. Yeah. Now he wasn't able to make it. His flight was canceled. So poor Dave Schultz. Um, well, I think an hour and a half before we're supposed to show up yeah. at the place, I was like, I've got to find somebody. You know, that to can do the service. Now, meanwhile, the service. this is awkward because I love my friends that are pastors and there's probably going to be 35 of them in the building. They're ordained pastors. And I'm really, like, I don't want those guys. Well, yeah, I mean, I, well, as much as, as, as I would love these people, yes. that wasn't what Augie would have wanted. Right. And that was, they weren't people that, that, that he was going to have as performing his wedding. And Dave wedding. knows Augie's spirit. He, they were close yeah. enough where he can you know, it felt like our best yeah. option. So we were grateful. And we're, and we're talking about Dave Schultz. So Dave Schultz is my colleague in communication, but, but we were there when Dave, when Dave's dad died, he was hanging out with us up in Everett, Washington. So mm-hmm. we we go back a long ways and I'm just sorry that I asked him to not just be there, but just to have to do well, it on the, right. on the last with, minute. He literally had, like I said, an hour and a half at most notice. And part of that h- half an hour would have needed to be the commute to get to right. where, I'd be he, freaking out. where I'd be like, he, what? you know, where the service was. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, 
it was amazing that he was able to help us out there at the last yeah. minute and, Thanks, and his wife, Tisha, uh, yeah. she was his right hand person there. Um, you know, kind of help coaching him through some of that. But stuff. it really put it, it really put us to the test earlier than we would have wanted to say like, who really are we, mm-hmm. um, in terms of our public spiritual witness? Mm-hmm. And we are not, um, we are not like antagonistic toward, uh, like religion. If you use it to mean all of the, the, like what Ninian Smart talks about is the seven aspects of, of kind of a culture with spirituality. But um, we're kind of, not just for Augie, but for ourselves, looking to not have one thing, and that is theologizing, philosophizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if it was communicated exactly right. People were probably surprised that we asked Dave to say, you can come up. What we really wanted at the memorial, and we did get this, is stories, and then a lot of people didn't want to talk in that big group and mm-hmm. they talked to us afterwards, but stories and stories um, that just kind of give us a fuller picture of Augie's life. And that was really beautiful. But the idea, the idea that somebody was going to come and say things like, you know, we, we had, uh, you know, there was, there was a pastor one time when our friend Chris Frohart's brother Brett died. And mm-hmm. Brett was, of course, our friend as well. And the pastor said, isn't it nice you know, even though it's sad that your son died, they, this pastor said to the parents, you know, even though it's nice, you're, you know, it's sad that your son died, um, at least it brought the church together. It brought more people to church. Oh. And I said, oh, okay, that's that's the worst thing I would possibly hear, like, right? You just stabbed so, me in the heart. Right, so right. we were just kind of, we just said, I don't know what's going on. We There had been so much emotion up until, like that before that weekend, I was kind of curled up in fear in a ball on the ground at some point, just dealing with all the emotions of of pulling away from this thing that had been so much a part of my life, this right. church connectedness, you know. And sometimes people even, you know, they mean well, but they feel awkward around you. They can barely look at you. And so words come out so wrong. Um, we've had people say everything happens for a reason and trying to be a positive way. Like, yeah. and, and it, that was horrible because no. Um, so yeah, all the like, meaning making, yeah. um, you know, of... Because I mean, what Job's counselors did—they were trying to explain right. to Job some cosmic reason why. And I think you know, I mean, happening. we were we were very um, we were very solid in our own thoughts of um, and spirituality, spirituality, yeah. and love Jesus, uh, you know, eternity and things like yeah. that. And so, for us, like, we really we wanted to honor. Augie's memory. Yeah. We didn't want we didn't it to need become more a space. Yes. for It wasn't a space for a sermon or it wasn't a space. We just couldn't. Well, because at that point, that's not about Augie. No. That's, just... that's about them trying to cope with the fact that this, this is the fact. Okay. This is the fact. There's a lot of people. I mean, people know we're goofy, but there's a lot of people that were a little jealous in this one sense. Augie yeah. was a handsome kid. He was a wonderful kid. He was a smart kid. He made great cocktails. He made great food. He loved his lady. He Everybody was, was in love with him. Yeah, <laughs> men and women, like so right, funny. like it's like and yeah. and 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 we're and we're like and that that same feeling. And then all of a sudden, it's just all taken away. That's hard for a lot of people. We recognize that we're not the only people grieving. Right. There are people I don't even know, students, friends at work, for whom uh, Augie had provided an emotional service. It mm-hmm. devastated like a whole community of people. All your group of friends yeah. who we got to know a little bit better, um, you know, camping out in Joshua Tree and things. But but there's a lot of lot of lot of sadness of and a lot of a lot of trauma to a lot of people that we don't even know, right? Yeah. 
And so, uh, but what we didn't need is, what we didn't need is somebody just kind of trying to calm their own fears about mortality by some, you know, three, you know, even good theologic explaining stuff. things yeah, away. We just didn't, we didn't want that. So that was kind of what we did. And so for us, it wasn't an accident that we had the service at the restaurant. Like that was to us what we needed to do. Right. And it was kind of political. It was, um, it was kind of liberating as well. And, um, as we always say, friends on this show and anywhere, if, if you're ever with us, like we want you to talk about, we, I, I'm, I'm a dude who does the history of religion and ideas. I love that stuff. We're going to be talking about spirituality on the show until the cows come home. Thing is, Keep your gods and your dogs on a leash, okay? If they don't behave themselves, they got to go away because that's the game, friends. If you, um, you want to talk about religious practice, we're all over it. Like, this is great. What, is this, what does this mean? What is this importance? But when you're going to use it to beat other people up or, as the Tao Te Ching says, the Tao that is sp- spoken is not the eternal Tao. If you're going to make your words God, Mm-hmm. then you just don't understand. That's a false idol. That's an idol. Right. I don't need your idols. That's I why I say bring, exactly. keep your gods on a leash. Right. Because, yeah, we don't need your idols. Um, you know, the real thing <laughs> is what we're after. So exactly. in a weird sense for this season, the food was so much a center of everything that was important to us. It was it, when I was reflecting, you know, even for the memorial, like on my own um, positive memories with Augie, it was so many times with our families in Mexico, Hong Kong, me and him surfing in Costa Rica when he was a little guy um, and, and eating like, you know, fun food in, in Costa Rica. I mean, just like all these things were really important. And then the healing towards the end was that I want to say one more thing, though. Right before we, we left to go up to the cabin, uh, again, grateful to the Keiths for letting us use it. You guys went and got uh, pulque from Gustavo and uh, yeah, they offered they, us poke. And that was like, to me, of all the silly little food things. And so we went in there things. and got this, this little jug, this like little growler. Now, if you don't know what thing. it is, Cindy, can you get, kind of give us a rundown? It's a fermented agave. So it kind of tastes like a wine if it's still in the early like fermenting type stages, but it's a little carbonated. So maybe it's closer to a cider kind of feeling, but it's really hard to get. Augie... Um, really wanted to try it, but you basically can only get it from a family if the family makes it for you. Yeah. And they don't just give it out. They only give it out tasty. for very um, important occasions, maybe a wedding or a funeral. But it's a spiritual type drink. It was a spiritual drink. I can't say it any other way. Yeah. And it's like you can just like, you know. You feel it's like, the love. Yeah, the, yeah, you feel the love. Like the 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 human hands that like yeah. helped create and this and put this together yes. the plant because they're not it, selling you know? the pulque that's what yeah. their family drinks yeah they're selling the mezcal right so which is which is the final product and so getting that and then bringing it up and being able to be there as a family it was it was incredibly disorienting so much difficulty, so much pain. So many times I didn't think my body was going to be able to get up. And I, I remember looking at my face. I, I looked like really old for a little while because I hadn't shaved. So I had this big old white beard and I just, I don't know. It's good to look old, but I was looking like a little bit beat up by existence. Yeah. I And I still am yeah. showing some of the wear still too, you know, yeah. just I mean, uh, yeah, life. You know? always will. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. life and it's <laughs> yeah. part of, part of it. I, 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 it's, it is weird because um, I feel like we've sort of crossed over into this like threshold of a new universe. Yeah, that where we 
we can't ever go back to yeah. not knowing this level of pain and grief. Yeah. It's very hard. And it changes your whole world. It yeah. changes your whole life. And everything looks different. Everything. Yeah. It, Some things look better. Sometimes like the plants are talking back to us <laughs> in love. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I, I, I like to bow like a, like a Zen Buddhist to the animals to say, I like, hello, little Buddha nature. I see the squirrel, you know? Yeah. Um, but there are also things where it's like, oh, this is fun, but I wish Augie were here for this. You know, right. like I don't Which deserve. Which is kind of, I mean, just everything. Everything. <laughs> well, I mean, especially things like the speakeasy or where were we like. What were we doing last night? It wasn't maybe last... We went to trivia. No, we went to trivia. There was something before that. Anyway, like these things where I'm going, oh my gosh, like this is like right up Augie's alley and learning to have to say, well, we're doing this with him. We're doing this yeah. for him, you know? And, and uh, I will say I was, I was sitting here in this living room uh, and I was the one, the first time I was like, well, the first time I was happy was when we took the animals to the restaurants here. And since it's restaurant related, Sydney, awesome. tell us about this cat and... What's up? The cat right now I'm looking so at. So my cat, um, my parents, I got her when I was 11 and they declawed her against my will. And um, I had bought her because she was the runt of the litter. And then I was just visiting her at this pet shop. And one day she climbed up onto my shoulder and I was like, I think we're family now. I love you. And so I took her home and she's 10 years old now. And um, she's never been an outside cat. She's never really liked men. She's never um, been walking around on a leash. But we got her a cat harness, and we put it on her, and we took her out to the bar. And she had such a fun time. Mm-hmm. Her whole universe opened and expanded, and now she loves going to the. Well, pub. she won't let us take off this um, this vest. And it was also added. We added it. We added a, a bandana <laughs> scarf, and she won't let us go near or take off that either. Both of the animals are wearing their clothes all the time because they want to be people. (laughs) But now all of a sudden she's a Portland cat. She used to not sit on my lap. She used to hide out underneath things. And now she's like this outgoing cat that people come over and say hi to makes the dog jealous of all of us. If I say the five of us right now, I say one, two, <laughs> the three, uh, the, the three of us, count. and then the two animals. I'm saying I'm trying to f- figure out who's yeah. in this <laughs> building right now with us. Of the five of us, the cat's doing the best. The cat oh, is on. Thriving. She is living her best cat life right now. She is <laughs> sitting on Mama's lap. Oh, and I, the the dog just came in because she hears. Hi, Bimby has a. There's a space. Bimby has a a Portland uh, sweater, a knit sweater. That's, got it that's in lovely. Big Bear. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, so that's really really fun. But anyway, so besides that. And that was the first time I took a picture. I will try to post a picture of this. The first time I was smiling with a real smile. When oh, we, were, yeah. we were finally here. We were finally free. I mean, when we got across, there's something symbolic. This is like our Zion. Getting to Portland was this thing that I felt like I could never do. Mm-hmm. It felt like a kind of Truman show. Are, are they going to let me get there? Mm-hmm. Or is something going to hold me back? That was the feeling. And when we finally arrived, we did it. And then we were sitting there at Prost. And the animals were there and the, well, the cats on the back. Also, I, I, let me back up for a second because uh, one of the things is that we filled up the pod, um, you know, as full as we could. Um, and oh, then, dear. And then we filled up our Prius with as much as uh, that we could send up. And we <laughs> overpacked the, the camper, the truck camper, as an overflow for it is, it was irresponsible. a lot of the stuff. And it was irresponsible. It was, I went slow, but... 
Um, I had I had thousands of pounds <laughs> of nervous. junk in there. Yeah, it was right, and so it just, was looking a little precarious. Yeah, it felt. <laughs> It felt precarious. like yeah, it felt precarious. So, you know, each moment of driving, uh, Jeff had to super be alert on his toes. Uh, basically, you had to essentially like predict what was going to happen with the traffic ahead of time because yeah. you did not have. I had a lot of weight. You had a lot of weight. I got a four to so three fifty. We could not stop fast. Yeah. Um, and and anyway, so truck you, campers are not made to be moving vans. No, <laughs> and and especially on um, any of these steep grades yeah. that have turns and <laughs> all sorts of things. Me. So he, you were carrying a whole lot of stress of just like all I got to do is get the family to Portland and you know just yes. get there. I couldn't think. <laughs> I really couldn't even grieve. I just had to keep moving. So then, so that was the first. But we finally got there. Then we went into the restaurant. That was great. Then when we got into the house here, uh, I had finally we kind of finally moved everything in, and we by the way we've got this beautiful. We installed as a family a beautiful, all uh, by ourselves, old timey uh, wood burning stove. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had this one moment, I, I don't know which of you said it, but like, like this idea is like Augie's here with us and we're here and we're going to be people and it's okay for us to like find moments of joy. And I, I did like a little bit of a dance in the living room because I finally had this thing that I like, I just, I've wanted this mm-hmm. like my yeah. whole life. I've always wanted to be able to walk to a, a bar or restaurant and come back and not have to drive. Or in the local stores to, the you local know. Yeah. markets. Right. That are, Produce is great. And then we know all the neighbors, all this. And so anyway, so I'm doing a little dance. And I felt this overwhelming joy, and I hadn't felt it for months. This overwhelming joy. And I do like a little silly little dance. It was like put my fist in the air. And I look across the street, and there is a little girl, our neighbor, lives across the street. And she's in her, like, I'm in my, like, narwhal pajamas or whatever and my onesie. <laughs> and she's in her, like, her, like, you know, pajamas or whatever. Um and she's got the lava lamp in the window and stuff. <laughs> and she's like doing like her silly dance. And I'm doing my silly dance. And all of a sudden we looked at each other and, <laughs> and we just look and we go, well, yeah. <laughs> like at first it was embarrassing. And then it was like, well, yeah. Cause yeah, like, let's dance, great. you know? And, um, and friends. So, uh, is it all, uh, is it all, uh, happiness and, and giggles? No, of course uh, not. we're, we're <laughs> becoming people. And, and in many ways, this is what we want to document for you. We're trying to become people for the first time in our lives. And a lot of us never do get to be people. Yeah. And we'll explain what that means. But this emancipation, that this freedom is terrifying. It's hard. But, um, but it is the only way. To find deep peace upon peace. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said that wasn't any letter. He said that was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter low too much.